podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Manchester United have a new striker and he's a lifelong red. 20-year-old Rasmus Hoyland was unveiled to fans at Old Trafford before Saturday's friendly against RC Lons and it was his first look at the stadium he's dreamed about since he was a kid. A special moment and plenty more to come, I'm sure and I hope. A very warm welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate as we consider United's most expensive signing of the summer and the latest performances by Eric Ten Hag's side in pre-season. You'll also get your regular extensive Academy Roundup as United's junior teams compete in Northern Ireland, Croatia, Hong Kong and Altrincham. Plus we play guess a player. Uh, there's loads to get stuck into so let's do it. Starting with that moment at Old Trafford Hoyland coming out. It was uh, it was just a lovely feel good moment and I remember when, we, when this first happened uh, two, two seasons ago with about yeah. five run. Yeah, yeah Casemiro last season around the season before and it was so exciting and it's it's something that the club's done in the last couple of years which um, I'm such a massive fan of because it's not something that English teams often do kind of unveiling a signing to the supporters we've often seen it with like Galactico signings at Real Madrid or, or at Barcelona as well where they'll be kind of unveiled on a special day I don't think that would quite work in England having a separate day and event for it but this is a really nice way to do it that's great for the player and great for supporters as well you don't want to see a new signing do some, some kick-ups on the, pit, the side of the field fail, fail to do some head-ups yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also great for like the kids who at Old Trafford quite cheap tickets for that Lums game I'm sure there will have been plenty of kids on school holidays who might not often get to Old Trafford and have now seen one of the moments of the summer. Yeah, it's brilliant. It is, it's, I think it's nice that it's not the norm for every signing, like you said. It's Well, I mean, firstly, United aren't in the country for most of, most of the summer when signings are, yeah. are generally made. But also, it makes moments like this even more special. And I think what was nice about Hoyland is that you know the two players that we've had done this with before in Casemiro and Varane, both players that have kind of seen everything in their career you know both of them won every trophy under the sun with Real Madrid coming to United yeah. it's obviously a, a, you know a big moment and special for them to you know walk out Old Trafford and get that adoration for the first time but it's probably an even bigger moment for someone like someone like Hoyland you know 20 years old you know playing at a, a fairly big club in Italy for the last year or so but you know going to a complete different level in terms of his the the the, how big the club is that he's playing playing for, but also his own sort of personal stardom is, you know, going through the roof to a level yeah. that he's never experienced before. So it's, I mean, it was a, a lovely moment for him and I think probably even more special for someone like, like Hoyland compared to someone like Varane and Casemiro. Harry, you you were lucky enough to, to spend some time with Hoyland in the last few days doing his interview for the club. Yeah. Read a lot of good things about him over the last couple of weeks. What was he like in person? Yeah, I was going to say it was a real privilege to be able to do it. And uh, there were a couple of delays as people would have read in, in the newspapers. Nothing to be concerned about. Just he had that little injury that I think needed double checking. It means he won't play for a couple of weeks. But yeah, it was a real privilege to do it. And having having waited a couple of days and he he had that weight and he and his family had that weight it was I think they just had a, a lovely day as well and you do really get that being able to be there behind the scenes and kind of spend a bit of time with him on camera and then you're also interacting a little bit off camera you get that insight into just how mad it is for a 20 year old who's dreamed of playing for United his entire life to be able to say I'm a United player and every time 
he's obviously he gets asked about it a lot because there's social media to do there's the club interview which I was lucky enough to do uh, there was another little interview which we did and a few other bits and bobs he's been asked time and time again like how excited he's to play for United and, and all of this uh, the standard things he'd ask a new signing and every time that genuine authentic kind of buzz that he was feeling came across so clearly which was lovely to see and we're we're not far apart in age I'm 22 about to turn 23 Hoyland's two years well maybe almost three years younger than me but it was nice because we kind of grew up as you did with the same I mean you're a couple of years older but with that same kind of first great United team of the Champions League winning winning sides uh, in 2008 so it was quite nice to kind of share memories with someone who's about to become United's new striker of the same team and kind of those same childhood memories, which is a, yeah, a real privilege as, as for how he was. Yeah. Lovely. A very, very sound lad to family all seemed very good as well. He's got proper like family structure around him. His parents were there. Uh, his brothers weren't there because they're back in Denmark playing for Copenhagen. They actually did Champions League qualifier in midweek, which his parents flew back to watch and then came back to Manchester. But yeah, all it, it's, it was it was really nice and <laughs> relaxed and kind of half the job on those things. I think it, from from the club's point of view, and I kind of just came in to do the interview, not involved with the massive amount of planning that goes into it. But I think from the club's point of view, is like making it a special day for the player as well. And obviously, Saturday walking out Old Trafford is special without having to put too much into it. But making a kind of relaxed interview setting is is also really important for like a twenty year old making such a massive move. But yeah, he was he was buzzing. He spoke well, and yeah, very excited to see what he can do on the pitch now. Yeah, it must it must be quite an odd an odd one because you want to make you want to make that day as special as possible for Hoyland and his family. This is a you know, li- literal once in a lifetime thing, even for you know some of the best players getting this kind of big move. But you also just you want to make them feel as relaxed as possible. I bet as well. It's, it must be yeah. not that easy to to kind of do both of those things. I mean, like I mentioned, I've been reading a lot about about Hoyland and his journey. I, I think the remarkable thing that I just keep coming back to is how quickly his rise has come. Given that as a young, as a youth player, in in Denmark, he wasn't he wasn't really thought to be a, a really really special player. I think you know they thought he was good, but you know, reason he went to to Sturm Graz after Copenhagen was because he couldn't break into the first team there. He wasn't really getting starts and then goes to Sturm Graz, does incredibly well and so well that he gets bought by Atalanta just seven months later. It, it's quite a unique path, I think, for someone to come to such a big club so young and obviously have risen so quickly over the last couple of years, despite really not being seen as that kind of player for a lot of his youth career. Yeah, and to, to have risen kind of via two other clubs from Copenhagen Reserves yeah. to the first team and then Sturmgratz, as you say, for like a really short period of time. And Atalanta, that's three countries, two new languages, three different cultures. He's now having another one. His English is perfect, so that's not a problem, but another culture. It's, uh, it's yeah, you're right. It's definitely a, a unique path. If, if someone said, well, like, what did he seem like as a character? I'd say, I'd be very confident in saying, yeah, he seemed, he, he's very confident in himself. And I thought, one of, of he, his idols, Ronaldo, and that came across very clearly. I, I, as I said earlier, like we're a couple of years apart. So I was saying, yeah, my idol was, I always preferred Rooney. I was saying like everyone, I feel like every kid who grew up watching that team, the 2008 team, 
kind of always probably out of preference for one of Rooney Ronaldo and mine was always Rooney his was Ronaldo and he said oh because you're English and I was like <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough a bit biased um, but he, he he spoke about Ronaldo and we said is that because of his mentality and he said yeah and he mentioned have you seen that clip with Anderson Real Ferdinand and Ronaldo where it's a, at some random event it must be 2007 or 8 it must be 2008 if Anderson's there and the reporter says, who's the best player in the world ever? And Ferdinand says, uh, thinks about it for a while, says Diego Maradona. And then it comes to Ronaldo and he just very quickly leans into the microphone and goes, me. <laughs> and Anderson, Anderson are real pissed themselves. And yeah, Rasmus brought that up. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's quite like, it's funny this new generation of players who have grown up with that kind of, in the kind of football content world. And so things like that are now being mentioned by current players of Man United is, is funny in itself. Well, but. we're in a sweet spot with with like Hoyland's age too, because he's in that age where there was a lot of content around, but United was still good. Yeah. <laughs> a few yeah, years maybe get to the part where there was a lot of content around, but we were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Who's the best player in the world ever? For me, the best player in the world ever, Diego Maradona. Dio. Me. <laughs> And he said that's why he loved Ronaldo because he at least put it out there that he wanted to be the best in the world. It doesn't mean he was definitely going to be the best in the world, but he put it out there and and yeah, Hoyland said, I want to be the best version of, of me that I can be. So he's got that that determination. And and he said he's buzzing. He's picked up the the right English <laughs> kind of slang already. But yeah, I think some of that interview's out as we're recording. I think it went out just before the friendly against athletic club of Bilbao and then the rest will be out on Monday so if you want to see that in full there's some interesting stuff on Ericsson uh, on Peter Schmeichel and on Onana actually and a bit on Rashford as well he seemed he, he was like he was properly buzzing to play with Rashford and Garnacho. like he, he seemed really like properly excited about it which was cool and Casemiro Varane he mentioned a couple of times because like Champions League winners it was a very cool experience and yeah it was good fun. As, as for him as a player, I mean, we've just been speaking about like his career path and his character, but what do you think of the signing as forgetting all of that just on, on player-wise? I mean, he's an exciting player from what I've seen. I mean, the, I guess to get the elephant out of the room, it's definitely a very, very expensive price. Yeah, But kind of as we say with all, all of the signings at this point, Five years from now, if he if he's had five, 20, 30 goal seasons, no no one's going to care. You know, the price tag only really becomes an issue if the signing doesn't pan out, at which point we have bigger problems yeah. than how much money we paid for him. I'm not so concerned about that. Obviously, it would have been great to you know get him a bit cheaper, but frankly, it's not my money. I don't really care. I, I think in terms of him as a player, there's obviously been so much made about the comparisons to Haaland recently because it's, I mean, it is quite funny just how similar they do look on paper right down to how their names sound. And actually, I think there are some similarities in terms of the play style from what I've seen of Hoyland, you know, very sort of marauding is kind of the word that I would use for him in some, to some degree, you know, especially when he's got the ball at his feet, he's a, a very powerful runner, Someone who once they get to up to top speed is, is very, very difficult to stop. There was a, a great piece in The Athletic a few weeks ago, just kind of detailing Hoyland's you know, profile, both as a, a player and a person. There was a, an example in there that was really good of Atalanta playing against Lazio last season. And Hoyland picks up the ball kind of on the halfway line, on the half turn. And by the time he gets to the edge of the centre circle, I mean, he's absolutely flying. He basically runs past two defenders he ends up 
having his shot saved, but I think was a great indication of what he can bring. I've used this word quite a lot in relation to our front line, and I think it's quite important. I, I think Hoyland will bring a lot of dynamism to our front line that we've been lacking whenever anyone but yeah. Rashford has played up front recently. And, you know, I think if you get a front line of, let's say him, Rashford and Anthony, which will, I, I would imagine be the first choice front three, I think there is a lot of combination, a lot of variety in that front line from Rashford, Rashford's pace and directness, Hoyland's kind of physical presence. He's very good at dropping deep, kind of receiving the ball, linking play, or, or as I said before about that clip against Lazio, receiving on the half turn and driving at players. Anthony is much less direct. Isn't going to be someone that will go to the byline quite as much, but much better at kind of linking players. We've seen a couple of times in preseason, like for his assist to Rashford against against Long yesterday. So I think there's a lot of variety there. Obviously, Hoyland is still raw and technically he will definitely need to improve. Yeah, but not just that. It's, It's also that his kind of his exact style as a striker isn't set yet. And perhaps that's, something that Ten Hag likes because he's played in kind of wide areas for Atalanta. He's played up front for Atalanta. Uh, he's played as more of a kind of typical number nine for Denmark. He was saying when we spoke that the role he's, the roles he's played for Atalanta in Denmark are like kind of as starkly different as they could yeah. be for a striker. And maybe that's one of the things Ten Hag looks at. Is, and that's the kind of whole point, isn't it? He's a 20 year old with those. Yeah obvious raw attributes so a massive amount of talent and those raw attributes that you'd imagine Tenar could be thinking I can mould that into the exact striker I want and that's kind well, of and at a big club like Man United this is a properly unique opportunity for Ten Hag you don't get young strikers really at big clubs unless they come through the academy I mean the last one United have had is Martial who ended up playing kind of half on the left half as a number nine before then I mean, it's probably Rooney is the last young striker that United brought in. You know, yeah. this is a, a really unique opportunity, not just for Hoyland, but also for Ten Hag. Like you said, to be able to mould a number nine in, in his image and not be one of these players that's kind of towards the end of their career where, you know, they're very set in their ways and United kind of have to adapt to them. Now Hoyland can also yeah, adapt and to it's, what Ten Hag wants. And it's worth kind of just reflecting on that. Is it not so like nice but it's just so exciting to have a young striker and a young player in a transfer that didn't drag on for too long, like Jaden Sancho, where it kind of felt like it was two years in the making, to have like a young striker, a transfer that was done relatively quickly, uh, like a lifelong fan of the club makes it more exciting as well. And all those raw attributes, it's, it just is exciting. It makes you optimistic and it's lovely, but it's it's worth kind of having a look at the comparison with Marcelo Rooney because you're right. He's he's the first under thirty striker signing since Lukaku, but Lukaku had massive experience when he joined United, and he's he's much more similar to Martial. And Martial like exceeded expectations in his debut season with that 17 goals in in 49 games. Even if you look at Rooney, it's also a 17 goal debut season in 43 games. Rooney scored 19 in his second season. It was only in his third season that he got past that 20-goal mark, that kind of career-defining 20-goal mark. So they were both signings for the future in the same way that Hoyland is a signing for mainly for the future and a little bit for now. And that patience is going to be needed. But I think the point you made about Martial kind of being split on the left and up front also applies to Rooney a bit, who didn't really have a set position ever at United (laughs) over a very long career. Whereas Hoyland's coming in and will play up front as the centre forward because we now have the quality on both the left and the right. The right 
I, people will say there's a bit Anthony needs to step up a little bit and do better but Anthony is United's right winger Garnacho and Rashford are United's left wingers and that's that's kind of that and so that I think for the first time in I think this is the most stable the team has been for a talented young player to come into United in a long time and that's what's needed because too people kind of joke at the moment that United's been become kind of a graveyard for for young talents and they've they've really declined I I hope maybe it's too optimistic, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I have the confidence in Ten Hag's ability to improve Hoyland, but also it's just that stability. He is going to be a centre forward for United. He might not be United's starting centre forward every week, but he won't be having to swap from left to right to centre forward as Rashford had to do, as Martial had to do, as so many young players have been moved about to cope with kind of, we've been putting out fires for too long and we're not quite doing that anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, stable is absolutely the key word here it's it's not the case I don't think that you know United clearly still have a long way to go to get to the level that we want to be that hasn't changed after Ten Hag's first season but things certainly are a hell of a lot more stable at the club both I think from Ten Hag's point of view he has cemented his authority we talked about this a lot last season quicker than any other United manager post to Alex Ferguson and I mean maybe Mourinho did too but with Mourinho you always have that worry about it becoming too much about him and becoming a toxic atmosphere, which is a worry that I don't think we have with Ten Hag. And it is a squad that in general is becoming a lot more stable. You know, I mean, we, in the last episode we did, you and I sat and we were able to kind of rattle off a pretty confident, you know, 10 out of 11 names for a starting 11 at the start of the season. When was the last time United have been able to do that? You know, and all of those players that we listed in that starting 11 have, you know, clearly defined roles, clearly defined positions. And Hoyland coming in, like you said, there's no ambiguity about the role or the position that he's coming in to fill. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, I, th- I think that's I think that's been a theme throughout all of Ten Hag's signings as well. In terms of, it's a shame that Hoyland's injured, comes in with a, a little bit of an injury and, and won't start for a few weeks. We'll see if he's back before the international break. It's kind of a little unclear at the moment. I think the club have said three, uh, uh, not three weeks, the club have said a few weeks. So that could be three weeks. It could be like two weeks or it could be five who knows we'll see um, that's a shame but I think so much of his start United will be pressure related and we're speaking about Martial and Rooney earlier well Martial started with a iconic substitute goal on his debut against Liverpool and Rooney started with an even more iconic Champions League debut hat-trick so when we talk about pressure for young players and it, you, you kind of need to get the, the goal scoring monkey off your back early on. So we'll see if, if Oiler could do that. I think the other problem is I'm very confident in Ten Hag's ability to improve Hoyland, as we've seen with Rashford and uh, Wan-Bissaka is a, a great example. I think the difficulty yeah. is the team still feels a goal scorer short and so much of keeping the pressure off Hoyland in this debut season will be having goal scoring from across the team. Rashford's had a brilliant season last season and I'm very confident. I really enjoyed his interview with Gary Neville on the overlap. Uh, I thought it showed the, well, it showed, it showed him in a very relaxed way and he said a load of really interesting things and, and he spoke really well. Uh, so I'm confident about him, but you basically, you're looking at Rashford needs to maintain or better that 30 goal contribution. You then need massive improvement goal scoring wise from all of Garnacho, Sancho and Anthony. You probably need Bruno to maybe add a few more. Mason Mount's going to have to provide a few, but there's still quite a heavy reliance on, on Rashford and then now on Hoyland as well, which I think we're just a little bit short at the moment. 
because um, a 15 goal debut season for Holland would be brilliant when you like you're looking at 17 for Marshall and Rooney 15 would be fantastic so yeah. we'll see so I think that's kind of my concern is that the team's a little bit light on goals at the moment where they're going to come from yeah I think I think that's absolutely right and, and to be fair we've seen that in pre-season as well not to read too much into that but it's a continuation of what we saw at the end of last season and the worry that we've had going into this year Hayland will undoubtedly help with that obviously but I mean, if you look at if you look through his career so far, he's scored goals in bunches, which is quite typical of a lot of young players. You know, they go through a, a run of really good form. They have a few lean games that maybe where it's hard to recapture it. With Hoyland, you've seen. I mean, at Sturm Graz, it was a little more consistent, but even there, he kind of hit the ground running, and then he continued to score goals for the rest of the season, but not at the same rate. In Atalanta, he started well, and when he got into the team after the World Cup. I think he scored something like three in his first four. And then the rest of the season, it, he didn't go off the boil, but the, the goal scoring did dry up a little bit, which is something that I think you'll probably see from Hoyland. It wouldn't surprise me to see you know him hit the ground running, score you know four or five in his first six games, and then maybe not score for a month. And that, that is just the norm for young players. I think, I think what you're looking for really is Rashford, like you said, to still be the main source of goals in this team. And then if you can get 15 goal contributions from... Each of, you know, Sancho, Anthony, Garnacho, Bruno. I think that's what you've got to be hoping for. We need that quartet to offer more than they did in terms of goals and assists last year. Yeah. I mean, Bruno Fernandes is, is probably the one you'd say if, if we got the same season out of him, that would be okay given because his numbers would go up if the rest of the team could improve their finishing because of the amount yeah. of chances he created. But I think Sancho the- and Anthony are the big ones, I think. Yeah, I think one of the key benefits of Hoyland, regardless of his goals... And this will, hopefully we won't be having to kind of, I don't know, resort to this argument if he's having a bit of a dry spell uh, at the start. But I think it is true. Uh, And I'll say it now before it happens so it doesn't look like I'm making excuses for him. But just having a hopefully reliable centre forward, not necessarily reliable in terms of scoring every game, but having a set centre forward so that Rashford can kind of have that left four position and Garnacho can come in when necessary. Just having more, as we said earlier, stability to the team. But I think with Rashford, for example, you can then hope that he can continue having those really good purple patches, which he showed a few times last season. But to get them, you need a bit of consistency in your positioning. And too many of United's forwards haven't had that because Martial was, well, Ronaldo, once Ronaldo had gone, then Martial was unavailable most of the time. So Rashford was flipping between positions and that kind of thing. I also think like a lot of the criticism we had of players last season, like Anthony and Sancho, was the lack of decisiveness, the kind of hesitation. It seemed sometimes we weren't 100% clear on on what we had to do and having a set centre forward should make that easier. So we'll see. We'll talk a bit about final preseason games after our Patreon Q&A. But before we go into our Patreon Q&A, where we're going to talk uh, a bit about the Mason Greenwood situation, uh, about goal scoring and about realistic aims for the season and a couple other bits. Let's have the first guest the player clue, please, Jack. All right. So the first one is I was part of three Premier League winning squads I only have one medal to show for it. Oh, interesting. My immediate thoughts are, are they a goalkeeper who played, kind of won, got enough games in one season, possibly when Van der Sar was injured for a long spell of time in the late 2000s? And would it have been Thomas Kuzak coming in? I'm not going to guess yet anyway, but yeah, that's my immediate thoughts. Let's, uh, we'll have the second guest player clue. When will we have it? 
after we talk about pre-season. But before all of that, let's go into our Patreon Q&A. If you want to sign up for as little as a pound fifty a month or as much as a tenner or 20 quid a month, if you really want to help support the show, you can go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there for information about how to do that. But let's dive in now. Okay, back from Patreon Q&A with some quick season predictions uh, about the Champions League. We spoke about Mason Greenwood and how our feelings on the potentially upcoming decision that the club has on that sense about goal scoring, uh, realistic aims for the season, about the Champions League, um, about, yeah, loads of things. It was a really interesting chat. Uh, let's talk about the recent pre-season matches. We're recording as United are playing in Dublin. Nothing huge seems to have happened in that game so far. United are trailing 1-0 at half-time, but yeah, you'll be listening to this long after anyway, so we're not talking about that game. We haven't recorded since we played Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund in the US and Lons at Old Trafford. What's kind of been your biggest conclusions? Or I know you don't necessarily like to call them conclusions, but what's been the biggest things you've noticed in, in these pre-season games? Thanks for the putting the caveat there for me. Um, <laughs> I, well, since Onana has come in, I think it has really been no- noticeable. He's kind of lived up to everything that we expected. And I think United have been, whether we're, whether we're better at building up from, from deep, I don't know. I think that's kind of hard to tell just yet, but certainly much more willing to build up from deep, to keep the ball in tight areas at the back. I noticed, especially against uh, Long on Saturday, a lot more rotation in the back line between also the back five, between the back four and Casemiro. You know, Martinez would would push forward a little bit. Shaw was going coming inside a lot. He was making a lot of runs where if Onana had the ball, Shaw would kind of go into midfield to offer as an option kind of past that first line of defence that Lon had. But then if the ball went into Martinez, he would make a big sort of recovery sprint almost out to a more traditional left-back role to to then receive the ball off Martinez. I've, I've, I've seen a lot from United since Onana's come in in terms of better patterns of, of movement, better rotation, like I said, between that kind of back five. So like I said, I, I don't, it's kind of hard to say it whether we're actually better at playing out from the back because we did lose the pool while playing out from the back quite a bit against Long too. But we definitely seem more willing to take that chance. And I think that is kind of what we expected from Onana. I think you're seeing a little bit more kind of ability to get around the pitch without means to oversimplify it with Mount in midfield. I, I still I still think that Mount's role needs to be slightly more clearly defined. I think he's actually done relatively well in preseason, but I still just I still think there is more to come in for, from him in terms of figuring out where exactly he's going to yeah. be best in that midfield. And then probably the other one for me is that Garnacho has been brilliant and he was brilliant against Lon on Saturday. Yeah, I think Garnacho, yeah, I mean, it's uh, recency bias, but from the Lon's game, I'm just so excited. He looks so sharp. Yeah. And he look, not only does he look sharp, but his decision-making and the way he's getting his head up and, and making the pass a bit earlier than he might have done last season and a, a little bit stronger as well. Yeah, really excited. He looks... I mean, he just, it's, it's that kind of development you get with young players where they kind of start to shift from looking like a, a young, a boy talent who, who's doing really well to looking like a proper Premier League footballer. And he's nearly, nearly at that now. Yeah, I'm so excited about him. And I'd start him in the first game because he looks so sharp. Bruno looked really sharp against Lons as well. I think everyone else was, had a, a slightly dodgy first half. Onana made, uh, that was it. It was, it was kind of, what's the word? Ironic, but also kind of summed Onana yeah. up that minute just before he conceded the goal which wasn't his fault but it's a 
a consequence of his starting position, which will benefit United in general, but I'm sure that will happen to him a couple of times throughout the season. He'll get lobbed from far out, or at least the player will, will try it. The Lons player did brilliantly to, to actually pull it off. Uh, it was Dallow's back pass, uh, poor pass that, that did the damage. But just before that, Onana had done a lovely little, I think it was, was it chest down or a head down into the path of a, a player? We've seen kind of the good bits. We've seen a mistake already. And that's kind of what's going to happen, isn't it? But I'm sure he'll be a net positive. And I think you're right about Mount. That's still kind of being worked out. The only other thing that we, we haven't mentioned because it hadn't happened but last time we recorded was Kobe Miner's injury, which is a, a real shame. And the same for Ahmad as well. Um, but Ten Hag's shown yeah, such faith in, in Mainu and has spoken since with, with that same belief and faith. So I'm sure as soon as he's back from injury, we'll start to see. I think last time we spoke, expecting him to get... 10 or 15 starts in all competitions this season I expect yeah 10 is still very very possible and who knows if he takes the chance properly it might might be more than that it kind of depends whether we sign another midfielder as well which I feel like the kind of talk on that has has subsided a little bit in recent days so we'll see uh, anything else big from pre-season before in fact let's have guesser player clue 2 first if you can remind me and everyone else <laughs> uh, what the first clue was <laughs> And then give yep. the, the second clue as well, please. So the first clue was short and sweet. Second is a lot more convoluted. <laughs> so the first that. one was, I was part of three Premier League winning squads at Man United, but I only have one medal to show for it. So the, then the second is, during my six years at the club, I scored two goals in the Champions League. Both of them came in the same season, both against teams starting with P. And one of them was against a manager who would later go on to manage Manchester United. Wow, there's a lot there. And that was in, I can give you the season, that was in 2003-04. Okay. <laughs> so i say that again. So yeah, during my six do. years at the club, I scored two goals in the Champions League. Both came in the 2003-04 season. Both of those goals came against teams starting with the letter P. And one of them came against the manager who would later go on to manage Manchester United. Did you say, did you say six seasons? Six, And yeah. you were part of three title winning yeah. squads. Okay, wow. There's a lot of small nuggets in there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should get it from that. I'm just trying to kind of put everything, piece everything together. So I reckon if you take some time, I reckon you'll be able to piece together yeah, who that less. goal was scored against. But I don't know if you'll remember who scored the goal that I'm talking about. Well, yeah, it was against Mourinho's Porto is one of them. Yeah. But... The other goal was against Panathinaikos in the, yeah. in the group stage. Okay. I, I think I've got a couple of options in my head, but I'm going to have a, a little bit more of a mull over. And then I might give you a guess before clue okay. three, or I might wait. Is there anything else from pre-season that, that has stood out to you? I guess uh, the one Bissaka Dallow one's interesting. It's not quite clear who's going to start the season, is it? Yeah. No, it's not. For me, I, I think there are two two positions that I think are still up for grabs. One is right back, one Bissaka Dallow. Dallow didn't have his best game against Lon yesterday. United are playing now, so I haven't been f watching the Bill Bow game as much as I normally would, but Wamba Saka is starting. That is a big battle. And then the other one, actually, Michael Byatt's one of our. One of our patrons messaged me on Twitter yesterday about, you know, what do we do with Garnacho Now, that his, his part of the game time is still relatively limited, but he obviously has look, looked so good. And I think the big one for me with Garnacho is I want to see him above Sancho in the pecking order to start yeah, the season. I think he will and be And that can well. change depending on how Sancho's form goes. But I, I, I'd i be disappointed if Garnacho doesn't start against Wolves, given that, you know, with Hoyland injury, Rashford is very I think interesting that Sancho was used centrally again. And yeah. 
I wonder, we spoke about that a bit last season, didn't we? About whether he'd be potentially number 10 or a different option to Fernandes for number 10. Whether United are going to have a number 10 this season in a traditional sense, I don't know. Not really is what I think. But I'm sure there'll be times where Sancho plays centrally. And I think that makes sense given where we've seen the weaknesses in his game. Yeah, it was uh, a big thing that he, so, when he came on, came on for Garnacho against Long and then he went into the central yeah. part of the pitch and Fernandes and Mount were the ones that kind of rotated to go and play out wide. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably it. I'm going to give you a quick youth roundup because the, well, to start with, the Premier League two fixtures are out. United's under-21s open their season at Crystal Palace on the 14th of August. The under-18s start the season a couple of days before and United know, I think I mentioned this last week, but we know our EFL trophy opponents and we start with Stockport County on the 22nd of August. I think that's a Tuesday night, the 22nd of August, 7.30pm kickoff at Stockport County's Edgeley Park. I can't remember whether the tickets are available now or they're about to be available, but I'm, I'm going to try and get to that. It should be good fun. Uh, Stockport, there's, I think there's a real good feeling around Stockport as a club at the moment. Obviously, it's slightly different in the EFL trophy, but yeah, if, if people are interested in going to that, that's on the 22nd of August. The other two teams in the EFL Trophy group are Bolton Wanderers and Salford City. What else is there? The under-21s played Altrincham in uh, the first of two official pre-season friendlies, the second being against Chester on Monday night. Travis Binion's side lost 2-0, two defensive errors. Altrincham were very sharp. It was their final pre-season fixture, so there's no surprise in that. Isaac Cantonaran was United's standout player. Um, and yeah, he's been involved a bit in pre-season, well, quite a lot in pre-season actually. Uh, and if people don't know about him, he's a young, very technically gifted midfielder, quite small, has a, a wonderful ability to kind of dictate the tempo and, and shift the tempo a bit. Uh, he keeps possession very well. He creates some some incredible kind of defence splitting passes that he's he's managed. He's one of those really interesting ones where it's quite, it's quite hard to see a path through at United, but he's clearly a really talented player. He's still fairly slight. Um but United worked really hard to sign him. Oligan and Solskjaer played a, a key part in that being a compatriot of his, both Norwegian. But yeah, it's interesting to see what his progress is like. United also competed in a couple of international tournaments uh, at Super Cup NI, which was formerly the Milk Cup. Neither the under-18s or under-16s won those competitions, but some great experiences. And uh, United played Robin Van Persie's Feyenoord in the final of an under-19s competition in Croatia on the morning, Sunday morning, the day that we're recording. Some incredible games in that. United beat Monaco 3-2. They uh, drew with Udinese and then had a ridiculous 5-4 comeback against Dinamo Zagreb. Three goals in 10 minutes to come from 4-2 down. Kind of similar names shining in that tournament that you would have heard me say throughout last season in Shea Lacey and Jace Fitzgerald, two very young players playing above their age groups. Victor Musa also doing well and, and Jack Morehouse as well. But uh, and Eli Harrison, who was named goalkeeper of the tournament, a very modern style goalkeeper. But yeah, Van Persie managing Feyenoord's under 19s defeated, uh, defeated United. The under 16s, meanwhile, are on a training camp in Hong Kong. A couple of games lined up there, so that's a great experience as well. Uh, I think that's it for the youth roundup. Not many loan deals so far for United. Will Fish has gone back to Hibernian, but I think that's it. We'll see if there's any more movement on that going forward. Now, Jack, I think I have an answer for you on guess the player, but okay. Uh, I'm going to text it to you and you can give clue three while I'm doing that so that I don't ruin it for <laughs> anyone who hasn't got it yet. So you can start saying it and I promise you I won't change my... I've texted it now anyway. Off you go. All right. So the final clue is... Well, I'll give a reminder of that second one since it was so convoluted. So during my six years at the club, I scored two goals in the Champions League. 
Both were in the 2003-04 season, both against teams starting with P, and one of them was against a manager who would later go on to manage Manchester United. So that was the second clue. The third one is, I am the only player of my nationality to represent Manchester United. And the Harry, answer. does that confirm the clue, the, your answer? Yeah, I think so. The answer is Quentin Fortune. That is, is that right. Yeah. The trouble I was having is I couldn't remember. It took me a while to remember who'd scored those goals. And then I won. I, th- I thought it might be Diego Forlan for a bit, but then the sixth season yeah, thing yeah, yeah. put me off on that one. Um, but yeah, yeah, so much information there. And yeah, it was still, <laughs> it, it kind of made it almost harder to pick it all out. But once you had separated it all into individual facts. It, I, I realised as, it, I, it, as yeah. I was reading it the first time, I didn't mention the year. I was like, that's going to be impossible if I don't, if I don't give the year. I think once you got that, <laughs> it, you, like I said, it, it took some time, but you can sort of narrow down. Before you said the year, I was just trying to think of, European teams beginning with P and desperately thinking <laughs> about who we might have played in yeah, the same yeah, season. Yeah. yeah. Quentin Fortune, who is by all accounts a lovely man as well. Yeah. Still goes to Old Trafford a lot as well. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's it for this episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. For our thoughts going forward, we'll be back very soon to preview the Wolves game, the first Premier League game of the season on Monday night, 8pm, 14th of August. But before then, until our next episode, you can find Jack's thoughts on Twitter at, at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D, at the end there. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful start to the week. Goodbye. Network.